You're listening to the American Soccer Analysis Show. Dude, you're, you're the Tommy McNamara of podcasting. It's great. Thank you. Wait, what? With your hosts, Ian Lamberson. If you say one more bad thing about Mike Grella, I'm going to cut you. And Harrison Crow. Patrick Mullins is what happens when you least expect it. Hello, yes, and welcome to the American Soccer Analysis Show. I'm your host, Ian. With me, as always, the OG of XG, it's Harrison Crow. Say hey to everybody, Harrison. Hey, how are you doing? <laughs> it is good to, uh, good to hear from you. We are recording uh, one day late, uh, as there were uh, some MLS games last night, and uh, maybe we'll get into those later, maybe not. Uh, but, uh, yeah, do uh, you know how we start things, Harrison? You threw an extra day in there. I forget things. Uh, yep, interesting yep. start of the week. That's right. Could, I, I'm next yes. week. I'm gonna need you to do that with more enthusiasm, though. Interesting uh, the, stat of the week. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Uh, proper amount of excitement for a segment as exciting as this. This week, the interesting stat of the week comes courtesy of our friend Drew, and then like a host of other people too. But Drew said the first thing, so I'm giving Drew credit. <laughs> um, uh, this last weekend versus Toronto FC, Dallas goalkeeper Jesse Gonzalez saved 3.035. Uh, expected goals worth of shots, basically. I guess probably the best way to say that, uh, you know, meaning that uh, Toronto put put that many shots on goal, uh, that value of expected goals up, and, and he saved that many of them. Um, and that is a lot. And in fact, it's the fourth most since 2011. But Harrison, it's only the second highest one this season. Uh that's you actually just, blind called this. I, I want to point that out before yes, we I even blind get call this. You blind yeah. called this. Uh, and that, of course, uh, remember that really wacky match of Montreal and LAFC? Um, Evan Bush uh, saved 3.64, uh, which is just a whole, whole lot. And here I got a couple more for all you MLS history nerds out there, uh, assuming that you consider 2011 plus history, which technically it, it, it is. It's the Opta era. Basically. The is what we call it, meaning just that, you know, this is what we got going on. Uh, so Milos Kocic of Toronto saved 3.11 against New England way back in 2012. Uh, Clement Diop saved 3.08 against Real Salt Lake last season. Jeff Adanella, rarely filling in for Nick Romando back in 2015 against New England, saved 3.03. And officer of the law, Tally Hall, saved 3.08 against Red Bulls back in 2011. Um you know, there are kind of two ways to sort of look at this sort of stat. On the one hand, it's impressive that a goalkeeper makes a lot of saves, uh, but it doesn't necessarily tell us that the goalkeeper had a great game, does it? No, and that's always the... the, the... <sighs> There's some ebb and flow with this, right? So you can be like, okay, wow, these are the quality of the saves. That is just a measurement of the quality of the saves. Yeah, the number of saves has always been kind of... Aside from the astounding, like, 20-something that Tim Howard, like, compiled against Belgium, because at a certain point, like, the volume that a keeper amount uh, amasses over the course of a game, it just, at a certain point, it becomes, like, it's, it, there's some quality that's involved in that, right? Uh, yes. The other side of the coin is that, you know, there's him being out of position, which cause to save, which, you know, maybe cause to save. Um, 
there's all sorts of like little things. The defense is very bad, which is forcing these shots uh, or allowing these shot these shots to uh, occur. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Or you, you go know, a man it's, down, it, and you're forced to like bunker, and you're just eating tons and tons of low percentage shots, just like getting spanned at you from outside the box. Like these things happen. Yeah, exactly. Although uh, now we say that, obviously with the quality, we can see that Jesse Gonzalez had a really high number of uh, quality shots that he saved throughout this game against Toronto. And you know, even looking at, uh, I think. Uh, what Ricketts and Giovinco are in the top 10 this week as far as uh, expected goal compilers. So um, obviously there were some really good opportunities. I know uh, Victor Vasquez uh, was on this, uh, or excuse me, Victor Vasquez was part of a chain of shots uh, for the high leverage uh, lowered expectations this week that just came out this afternoon. Uh, So yeah, (laughs) <laughs> I think there, a good, yeah, I think a there, good maybe way to sort of uh, judge whether or not it was a great goalkeeping performance or not is if they won the game, and Jesse Gonzalez did, so that's fantastic. I don't think that that. No, I don't think it's that's not fair. fair. It's not that's totally not fair, fair, but it's a good sign. But it's a good sign. Like I'm not saying that Evan Bush had a bad game against LAFC. I mean, I think it was six goals that went in, which isn't ideal, and you can't just blame it on Evan Bush, but. Yeah, I, I think Victor think Cabrera that, had that red card right after we said he was good. No, that game was my fault. Yeah, Evan Bush can totally blame me for that one because I did that. But uh, I don't think that Evan Bush would, would would even tell you that he was like super happy with all those saves, considering how many went in. I mean, I don't I don't think that like, I sort of like if you're gonna use this number as a feather in your cap, if you will, uh, I, I think winning the game is a good start. Well, but Tim Howard, Tim Howard lost the game, and he, he uses that as a feather in his cap, too. Well, the other side – all right, so the other side of it is it, what about the shots that are being drilled right at that, that individual that doesn't necessarily take any type of skill in saving, right? They still get the same amount of credit. And uh, so there's, there's something that we've started to kind of do on – from the ASA side with our expected gold models. Obviously, people know we have the expected player models, or at least we've talked about this kind of on the periphery. We have the expected goal model from the player perspective, from the team perspective, and then as well now from the goalkeeper perspective, which is actually post-shot expected goals. So um, I don't know... if those are quite posted out to uh, the ASA model yet, and if they're public, but I know that we're we're collecting them because there's there's that discussion the, this morning. Yeah, they're not yet in the interactive table, but you can see it, I believe, on the static page. Can you go ahead and just explain, since we're talking about this, uh, for people that are maybe a little confused? Like when you say post shot, what, what exactly are we modeling differently there? Yeah, so the difference is on uh, prior to the shot, um, which is how both our expected goal models work for both the player and the team, all we are concerned with is where the shot's taking place, not necessarily the direction of which the ball ended up, right? Well, for keepers, we care a lot more about that. We, we care where it ended up on the goal frame because it tells us how, how much effort was probably put into place uh, to make that save. Now, obviously, we don't know all the details about the save, which is kind of why there's some guesstimation that comes into it, right? Um, we don't know 
that the keeper was in the center of goal, which is where the assumption is, I think, 90% of the time that a shot is being taken, that goalkeeper is in the center of the goal mouth. Now, obviously, that's probably not true. If the ball's over on the left side of the field, the goalkeeper kind of gradually moves with it. Um, But the model takes that into account as well, as you see more shots that are on the left side are probably shot at that near post. Um, so it's going to take into account uh, some of those factors. Um, so basically post shot is basically where it ends up on the goal mouth. Pre shot is just where it's shot at from the field. And those are the two different, those are the main uh, differentials. Now, are you saying that from a keeper's point of view, two penalty kicks, obviously both from the exact same spot, could have different uh, expected values for a goalkeeper. The shooter would still get the same one because it's it's their choice at the beginning. But uh, depending on where the, the the penalty is taken at the goal, it might change the the outcome of the uh, the expected uh, goal tally. Yeah, we were kind of discovering that today. Um, one of our one of the esteemed writers here who uh, writes for us on ASA does the weekly. Um, setting the table, Eric Walcott brought it up that uh, we had two different um, results and we we really haven't dived too much because we're still developing it, but uh, we had two different results for the penalty kicks in the model um, based off very similar shots. I mean, the the shots really weren't that different. Uh, Giazzi Zardes and then uh, I think Sebastian Javinko's PK. Yeah, so the, those were very similar in terms of where they were saved at, uh, but they had different values uh, because uh, slight differences, right? Um, and those are going to be seen by the model that maybe we don't see with our eyes. Like, <laughs> if we, were, we were just both cross-comparing, looking at it, looking at where the XY locations were. Well, that's only off by this much. Does it really meet, matter that much? And the model saying, you know, based off of, you know, all the data that we've compiled over the last eight years, yes, it matters that much. And that's that was kind of surprising to us. Well, they say penalty kick shootouts are a game of inches. They it's don't game say theory. that. It's I say that. I just said it. So <laughs> next time someone else says it, they can say they said it. And when they say they, they'll be referring to me. Uh, but yeah, that's fantastic. I, I love uh, any sort of... Uh, evolution the model makes in that direction because I do think that there are so many uh, interesting little variables that, 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 that should ultimately be taken into account someday and I, I love that we're kind of moving in that direction so a uh, great job to our uh, ASA staff for, for doing yeah, the development stuff which is basically Kevin and uh, Kevin Sh- well it's Kevin Minkus, Kevin Shank uh, who's leaving us and then um, uh, Matthias Kulowatz who it's his birthday today so shout out to Matty K hey. Happy birthday, Maddie Kay, and, and good work to the Kevins as well. Uh, okay, how about this, Harrison? This week, special. Another interesting side of the week. What? A I twofer? Know. A twofer. Uh, this one comes to us from Ryan. Uh, and I don't know why this, this, this really got to me, but I, 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 love, I love seeing stuff like this because I think it's one of these uh, under... Uh, under-noticed things in, in, in the sport. Uh, but Ryan points out that only two teams have averaged more than two block crosses per 90 minutes, Portland at 2.4 and FC Dallas at a flat two. Uh, now, that made me curious to see the other block stuff that we can track, and Minnesota leads Major League Soccer in block shots per game at 4.5 and block passes per game at 9.2. I think blocks don't get a lot of recognition from stat people. Uh, 
or even the average fan because it it seems like the lowest it seems like the very least you can do as a defender but uh i think blocks are super important yeah you know it's funny uh, i've brought this up before and i've almost kind of been uh, chastised for it at certain points uh, certain times in the past because uh, I, I would think that we'd want to associate some sort of uh, expected goal value for those block shots. Um, I'd love to go back there and do that sometime. As we've always kind of, we we kind of seemingly hit on every week, there's a ton of stuff to do, and there's just never enough time to do it all. Uh, but this is definitely one of those things that would be really interesting to go back and say, okay, well, looking at expected goal chains, what's the value of this blocked cross? What's the value of this blocked uh, shot? And then attributing it to those defenders and seeing what type of value um you know, comparatively to their their counterparts, they're they're racking up because it, it's very. It would be very interesting. It's kind of interesting because you you sort of um, you tend to see defenders that do what we call just defensive actions, which will include um, you know tackles, blocks, clearances. Uh, clearances are worthless. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Not to another, derail your thought process, another, I'm sorry. <laughs> another day we'll get into that because that's crazy. Uh, but um, defensive locks clearances, um, you know, I, I think that, that we tend to see like those all kind of go together. But there are some defenders that are very much just that's how they tend to defend. They just sort of position themselves in such a way as to get in the way of shots and to uh, – and I, goalkeepers have got to love that, uh, seeing a shot come at you and then realizing you don't have to deal with it. Um I think that I, I don't know. I, see, so there's two. I, I really like block shots as well, but I think there's there's the other side of the coin, right? Let's play devil, devil's advocate. Number okay, one, okay. blocks cause deflections. Yes. So so I would I would imagine most goalkeepers do not like deflections, um, especially because it has the propensity for putting a ball magically, just about magically, somewhere that keeper is not prepared to stop that shot. Yeah. So in some, in some cases, I would imagine a keeper not want that ball to, to magically disappear. They're, they're ready, they're prepared for it. And then when it does, it kind of throws everything off into whack. And the other side of it is some coaches don't want, and, and I don't necessarily understand this thinking, but some coaches coach their players into not stopping shots and other coaches st- coach their players into stopping shots. Uh, and, and I haven't necessarily understood uh, the argument for or against not coaching them, but there are some coaches that specifically um, are all right with, um, hey, if this shot's coming from 20 yards, don't, sh- don't stop it. Oh, man. Are we going to have to game theory this? Are we going to game theory this? Well, yeah. So, I mean, let's think about what you're talking about clearances. And you said this is this is kind of in line with clearances, right? So if you're going to kick the ball free, you're losing possession. There's a uh-huh. 50, There's better but, than a 50% chance you're but, losing possession. But what if you don't? And that's and that's and that's certainly a fair. What happens? What what is it worth <laughs> to retain possession in a def, in a really concentrated area that surrendering possession would render you very exposed, right? So well, and I mean, like, I think that there's obviously a difference. I mean, between like a weak-headed clearance that kind of just goes back to their team, or a, a strong-headed clearance that finds. Uh, your teammate. Uh, using that, you can start a counterattack. It's extremely valuable. Um, 
you know, it, I, I, I just think that we don't have a great way of measuring clearances that well yet because I think that some are very good and some are very bad. And I think that there are some players that are probably very good at making very good clearances. Um, mm, I feel like it's so I feel like it's very chaotic. I th- and I think it's more I think it's probably more a result of where you're where you're uh, aligning players during the defensive shape. Right. So if you're going to clear a ball and your defensive shape, you're putting three guys outside the box or even, you know, um, maybe six guys outside the box at all times, um, then you're more likely maybe to recover it. So it's more it's more result of tactical influence. But there are two different kinds of like instances in which you like there's the wild clearance, which is just kick it and hope or whatever. Just get it out. That's one thing. Um, but you know there are these like headers, there are the, like these balls that come into the box that defenders are able to just clear out with their heads, and like they can direct those balls, and they, they some of them are good at that, I think, and some of them are not good at that. Now I don't have the data to back any of that up because I don't know how to do any of that stuff. But <laughs> when I find out, and I will, you're well, gonna be foolish. Yeah, there's there's probably some ways that we could that we could look at that, right? We can look at clearances. We have the data for clearances. We can associate the times of clearances and the time of possession gained, right? Yeah. Uh, we can also look at duels and look at 50-50 balls um, in conjunction in the ti- uh, the sequential uh, time stamps. stamps. So mm-hmm. we could probably l- look at that from that perspective. I'm, I'm sure um, Elliot is probably listening to this and already uh, putting something together that's far better than what I just suggested. But <laughs> this, that's kind of how my brain would think of it. And, and you know, maybe there's a couple different ways that we go about it. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm sure you could probably look at what teams are better at regaining possession after a clearance. And I, my thought process is that's less talent-based and more tactically-based. But in the end, does it matter? Yeah, absolutely it matters. It, <laughs> it matters whether it matters from the recruitment standpoint. Do you recruit players that have that talent? Do you re- uh, <laughs> it does matter. Don't yeah, even. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. So that was some good... Soccer defense analytics humor right there. Uh, but yes, we appreciate the block. I appreciate the block. Uh, I understand what coaches are saying when they're saying, you know, sometimes it can cause a deflection. But I think you look at how many blocks occur over the course of a weekend and how many of those cause a wild deflection. Most of them just go out of bounds or back up the thing. Like it, it, I think it's always worth getting a foot in front of the ball. And, and the, the sooner you can make the goal process stop, the better. I never clear a ball out while playing FIFA. You are pretty good at FIFA too. Okay. Um. <laughs> Just so uh, to turn this about uh, play, around yeah, and, yeah, and throw yeah. this well, right I mean, back at you. you see lots what of teams it, that don't like to do that? Like they like to build out of the back, and you know that can. This is part of that 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 philosophy. And yes, in FIFA, it's a great example of that because that's almost always just giving the ball back away. I don't think that that's. I don't think that it's rate... not reflective at all to real life. I mean, no, but, but but yes, but you see what I'm saying, like that there is some value into like instead of wildly clearing the ball, like clearing, clearing the lines as you were, uh, but doing it to to a teammate. Um, anyway, that's always been something I've been curious on, and, and maybe if someone so, what's the difference between listening? blocking crosses in, in your estimation? Um, 
and what type of value do you do you place with blocking crosses and is that necessarily a talent or is that tactical in your estimation i I mean, so I, I, when I think about crosses, like I, there's just so many to kind of make that kind of call. Some of it's obviously just positioning, like there's some obvious positioning. And uh, it's not very often that someone surprises you with a cross from out wide. Like that's that's usually what you expect to happen as a defender, I'd imagine. Um, but what a lot of uh, attackers do try to do is kind of get towards that line and, and cut in or cut towards the byline again right? Um, to create that moment of space uh, for an open cross. And if you're a defender, you can get your foot in front of it. Um, you know, I, I think that that's, there's some value to that. I guess the only thing against it that I would, I would maybe note is that uh, I think a lot of times that tends to result in corner kicks, which depending on how much you value those, uh, might be a net loss for you, depending on the positioning of the players um, involved. So that would be interesting to look at too, I guess, huh? Yeah, that's a that's a that's a really good point. Um, we're just breaking it all down live here off the American Soccer Analysis Show. This is what we do all day instead of our real jobs. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I, I was late 15 minutes because I was compiling licenses. Don't, don't even. Well, Harrison, okay. Uh, but anyway, this is, uh, this is the kind of thing that, that, that we talk about there in, in the, in the American talk analysis meeting rooms of the internet. Uh, here we go. So, uh, congratulations to, uh, Portland and Dallas on their cross blocking and, uh, congratulations to Minnesota on their shot and pass blocking. Now pass blocking, you can't. That's that's always good, right? Yeah, I think I would think so. I mean, you're denying entry into specific yeah. zones. So I mean, that's that's that and interceptions. I would I would weigh that uh, pretty important personally. Yeah. I mean, that's a transition, especially when you think about it, like a team like uh, New York Red Bulls. And uh, I have a piece going on uh, that I'm working on right now about that. Um, it, basically, I just I think that it's. It's really critical to what some teams do, um, even teams that aren't necessarily, you know, uh, high press teams. Those are important. Uh, it, it just changes how um, it changes the flow of the game for your benefit um, yeah. in almost 90 percent of the scenarios. There we go. Congratulations, Minnesota. You're the best defensive team out there. Uh <laughs> <laughs> what? I know. I, 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 this is a lead-in. That was a joke as a lead-in to our next topic, our, our bigger, our deeper dive, if you will. Uh, we kind of talked about this a little bit last week. We hinted that we might mention it. But I think it's time that me and you have a conversation about Sporting Kansas City. They're good. No, they're, they're – well, yeah, they're, they're, they're good. They're really right? good. Yeah, they're really good. They're, okay. All right. I mean, they're the best in the West, I think. Unquestionably. Oh, I think um, that that's where you're wrong, but okay. What? What do you mean? Houston's think... still in the West, so I don't, I don't know how you can jump to that. But we'll, oh, we'll, well talk about that later. Oh, there's this table thing that they have, right? And right at the top of it, supporting Kansas City. Uh, <laughs> 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 that's where a lot of mine's coming from. Uh, okay, we'll get into Fair the enough. XGs in a second. But as far as setting the pace, getting the points, the results, doing the things that get you into the playoffs, Sporting Kansas City been the best in the West at that so far. And I would argue one of the best in the league overall, I would say. Um, what? Well, is... I mean, if you're going to look at the table, they are tied for the supporter shield right now. 
Yes, I, I do occasionally do things like look at the table. Um, it's important. I, I, know, I know you don't like to, and this is where we differ. But I, I, I do value that table some. Uh, so, uh, yes, according to my criteria of the table, uh, Sporting Kansas City are on top. But uh, you're going to say that Houston are maybe a little bit better because you like their XG so much. I do. All right. Well, and not only that, but I think that they have the better attacker. Yes, but I think... Okay, we'll get into this in a second. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Okay, yep. All right, let's just... Let's break this down seasonally just to kind of see where Sporting Kansas City, you know, have been developing. Now, one thing that's interesting about Sporting Kansas City is that they have the same manager. Um, A lot of the, you know, similar, I'd say, uh, personnel. You know, they've definitely made some changes and some upgrades here and there in the last two years. Um, But... One thing is that their philosophy and the way they play the game has stayed very, very consistent. It's almost always a 4-3-3, and that's the system Peter Vermees likes. He used it in 2016, 2017, and so far in 2018. So there is some, um, you know, there's some continuity there, and I think that that's really cool when a team can find that, and, and I think a lot of coaches, when it's not working perfectly, can get impatient and try to switch things up too fast, and it's, I think it's a credit to Peter Vermees that he's stuck with it, uh, and it seems to just constantly be evolving. So um, in 2016, uh Sporting Kansas City was averaging 1.24 goals a game uh, in 2017. It was 1.15 this year so far. And again, this is a smaller sample size, obviously, but it's what we got right now. Uh, they're averaging 1.85, which is a tremendous uh, increase uh, from the last two years. Uh, goals allowed. Uh, we know that Sporting Kansas City is known for their defense. And uh, 2016, 1.12 goals allowed per game. 2017, 0.79. It's an- it's incredible. Uh, and 2018, it's just one goal a game so far, which is also very, very respectable. Now, Harrison, your underlying numbers. <laughs> that, that's, that's, that's my name. Yes. Uh, yeah, so there's, there's a lot of things. Uh, the one thing that I kind of was looking at this past week was how many uh, teams basically have a diverse shooting group, right? Like, yes. Who, when you're going to say takes the shot, you know how many shooters do you have on your on your roster? And basically, looking over the past few years, trying to say who's taken the the bulk of their shots and how many are there, I kind of narrowed it down to basically who takes more than two shots a game, and on average, who collects uh, more than. 0.30 uh, expected goals per game, right? Um, numbers I pretty much came up on my own just be, just from eyeballing things over the last few years. And I went back to 2015 because positionally we can kind of have a little bit more, we have a little bit more information that we've collected. And SKC is kind of an interesting monster. Last year, looking at 2017, they had seven different shooters that averaged over two shots. And that's with a minimum of 1,000 minutes. Uh I'm sorry, did, 500 minutes. Did uh, just out of curiosity, did Dwyer make that cut? I, I believe he was part of that. So yeah, so yeah, there, there is a little bit of that. But then you go back to 2016, and there's only one. 2015, there's only two. So we see that they've kind of made a change in that post Dwyer era, right? Yeah. 
um, Dom Dwyer beforehand, it was really just uh, the last couple years, uh, 2015, 2016, it was get that ball up to him, have a little bit of magic. Maybe somebody else will kind of come in either, you know, um, they've done a couple different wingers that they've kind of cycled through that have been effectual in, in some capacity. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Now it's really goal scoring by committee. And what was something that was really interesting is this year they're up to through minimum of 500 minutes. They are second in the league with uh, four different individuals with more than 30 uh, expected goals or 0.30 expected goals. And then four with their, uh, again, second in the MLS with uh, more than two shots per 96, um, which, again. Who's it's, first? Who's first? You know what I'm going to ask. Uh, first is LAFC. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, they're okay. first in in just about yeah. Uh, so yeah, that, that's that was something that just kind of uh, pokes its head out and it says because it speaks to the diversification of how they're they're going at this. Um, f- they've changed tactically, and we can kind of see that in the fact that their passes, uh, their defensive action per pass is down uh, or rather up. Um, they're they're not pressing as hard and as heavy as the, what they once were, and uh, their average distance for shot, like if you were to look at um, the top, I think it's top fifty shooters uh, with the lowest distance, they have one person in the top fifty, and that's minimum of five shots taken from an attacking role. Hmm. One shooter, and that's Johnny uh, Johnny Russell, who comes in at forty seventh. So, so they're popping from out wide. Is what you're saying? Oh yeah. So they lead the league in shots taken on average uh, per game, um, eighteen. So, but these are all coming, and we kind of alluded to this uh, previously talking about goalkeeping. They're basically taking every free shot that they have. If a team's going to give them a look, they're going to take it, and they're going to take it immediately. That's going to do two things, right? It's kind of artificially going to inflate your expected goal number. But the other side of it is you're going to fluctuate for when you score goals. You're going to have games where you're going to have crazy goal numbers, and then you're going to go through some some spells of, well, just dire consequences, right, well, uh, and, of shooting And the other thing long. that you sort of mentioned and that the other the other uh, result of that strategy is that it is, of course, going to diversify your shooters. Yes. And, and so you can't really necessarily um, mark out one player, right? Nope. And, and I think that really helps them in the sense that they don't necessarily have the DP. I, I know they have DPs, but they don't have like the, the DP. They don't have the Joseph Martinez. They don't have the uh, Carlos Vela. They don't have, and I don't know why I'm naming uh, expansion teams star players. Uh, they don't have the Albert Elise, right? Uh, yes. So you can't necessarily mark these players. Name out another of the good game. player, Harrison. <laughs> you don't have the Ola Kamara. There you go. There, there you, you are. Go. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to do a whole segment of the show next week where you just name good players. Just the David Villa. Dude, someone the asked me. Someone asked me uh, on Twitter, like, who if I could pick one like underrated player and put them on the Sounders, who would it be? And they nearly broke me. <laughs> yes, I can see that. Uh, 
but decisions, so it, decisions. It, it, it's really interesting. I think Gutierrez, uh, in, injury, uh, has really, it, it's really kind of complicated things a little bit more. Uh, whereas Peter Vermees had a, so many different options, um, to kind of go to kind of change and rearrange his formation, especially in the midfield where he was really enjoying doing this the first like five games. Um, and now he's have to kind of, uh, be a little bit more consistent. He's the flexibility is a little bit less there, but uh, I definitely, and, and with that, you're starting to see the defense improve. We've steadily seen their expected goals against, um, decrease. And while, yeah, it's a little bit high now, um, it, it's much less than what it has been. Well, and uh, kind of put that in perspective, 2016, they were uh, 1.04 expected goals allowed. 2017, which is the best defensive MLS season I can remember any team having, um, 0.93. And this year, it's back down to just a flat one, which is exactly what they're allowing. So, yeah, they're doing fine there, too. Yeah, so, uh, again, there's... (laughs) There's a lot of really promising stuff. It wasn't that low previously in the year. I mean, mm-hmm. early on in the year, they had a, they had some they had some issues, and I think that part of that was they just had to or, they had to figure out how they are approaching this now that they were kind of going away from the system of we can just hoof it. I mean, because kind of that's what they were doing. Yep. Um, you know, you mentioned. Uh, we talked a little bit about the diversity of, of shooters a little bit. And just to give an idea of like how this offense runs. And this is not usual, I think, for, for Major League Soccer teams we'd find. Um, but, uh, yeah, mainly their top five guys for XG plus XA, which is a stat we, we love, uh, is Gutierrez at 0.6, Croise at 0.59, Shalloway at 0.55, Shelton at 0.51, Russell at 0.50. Like, that is just... That is by committee as much as like anything I, I've seen in Major League Soccer in a long time. Yeah, no. Uh, as far as that's, I don't. I don't think the only the only grouping that has over fifty like that uh, or zero point five in um, that is San Jose. San Jose has uh, a similar um, kind of a, a ensemble of you know Wondolowski, uh, Danny Hosen. Um, uh, Mangus Erickson, and then uh, I think it's Vaco. Um, and the, the, but that's real. I mean, those are the only ones that were really comparable when you look at what SKC has done. And I think that um, San Jose is in a kind of a different situation than what um, I, I don't think they're necessarily doing it by committee on purpose. <laughs> yeah. I think it's more, a uh, I think. It, Right. So there's the chaotic good, neutral good, and then true good. Yeah, like Sporting Kansas City is all the way on the left. San Jose is all the way on the right. So, (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's certainly true. So we've got SKC this year. Um, We're seeing them shoot more. We're seeing a diversity of of players. I think it actually speaks to a lot of credit to Vermees and to this side that they were able to kind of keep going. Um, from strength to strength when they lost uh, Gutierrez, who throughout the first few weeks of the season, you know, looked to be their best player and uh, maybe, yeah, maybe even the best player in the league. Uh, He certainly uh, caught a lot of people's attention, uh, myself included. He won MLS Player of the Month for the first month. Um, You know, I don't know that would have kept going at the rate that he was, but, uh, you know, he looked to be a huge part of, like, what SKC were going to do. He goes down, I expected to see a drop-off, and 
really they just got a little bit better defensively um, instead, which is fine. Um, and they've just kept on grinding out these results. Uh, 1.92 points per game so far uh, this season, which is, uh, which is excellent. It's an excellent return. Again, and, and I really I want to foot stomp this. I really think that them getting better defensively it was more uh, lack of absence of Gutierrez and more of just familiarization with implementing a oh, new system. Sure, sure, after, sure. I mean, we, we talked about this uh, going back to 2015, but really, I mean, it went back to 2013 that they went year over year over year, really implementing a very similar system. Yeah, right. And the, if you look at their two great years, 2017 and 2018 defensively, uh, the other consistent factor uh, for them has been the uh, health of Ike Opara. Yeah, yeah. Ike Opara is definitely, um, as he's gotten and stayed healthy, um, so has the, uh, the, the quality of their defense. I mean, unsurprisingly, right? Unsurprisingly. <laughs> we love Ike Opara here, the American soccer analysis. Um, he's a good footballer. He's a good footballer, is he? Okay, mate. Um, <laughs> you uh, you have any other thoughts you want to close out on Sporting Kansas City? Or, or, or can we just say Sporting Kansas City is very good and other teams should be as good as them if they want to be good? Yeah, you know, um, there's a couple things real fast, uh, specifically on the forward front. Um, yes. Ah, Kyrie Shelton, yes. There you are. You, you, you kind of hit it on. Let's talk Kyrie Shelton. So Kyrie Shelton, um, because they do this uh, kind of – uh, goal scorer by committee approach, and, and I really do appreciate it uh, for a couple different reasons. But really, what it allows them to do is go and pluck Kyrie Shelton and from NYC, and they hardly pay anything for him. But what that does is it, it just doesn't mean that they don't spend money on the roster. SKC does. Um, they just do it in very strategic ways. And when you pay a domestic, and when you're you're utilizing domestic, and I've harped on this before. I know Jared, when he came on, he talked about this as well. When you're utilizing somebody in a forward position, which is normally the place and the focus of where you put your money uh, financially under the cap, and you don't put it there, you find basically a cost-effective solution such as Shelton, it allows you to go and attribute and spread that cash out and bring the level of your team up across the board. But I'm and a so, fan. I'm a fan, Harrison. I'm a, I'm a soccer supporter. I show up every week, and I see other teams have guys that are scoring 20 goals a year. Also, they don't have the midfield that Sporting has. Hmm. So it's, it's kind of it's a double-edged short sword. Would you rather Joseph Martinez, or would you rather, uh, I don't know what defensive midfielder, I guess we'll just go with Jeff Lorenowitz. And look, Lorenowitz has been great. Uh, so far in Atlanta, he's played far more minutes than what they intended. And God bless and hope that they find somebody before he collapses, uh, because that's going to happen. And I don't mean physically collapse. I just mean talent. There's going to get a point to where he can't continue to be as good as what he's been. And I think throwing the amount of minutes on his legs has been really dangerous. I love Atlanta, and I'm not taking a cheap shot at them. They're just, it, that was just one thing that just came to mind, and I, I wish it didn't, actually. We're going to edit but, it out. Don't worry. <laughs> no, you won't. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you get but, the Twitter yeah. mentions this week, my friend. <laughs> um, 
but that but that's an example, right? You can spread that money and you can build up your midfield and you can spend on guys that you wouldn't normally. The Sounders is another example. They've chose to spend on uh, both keeping uh, Roman Torres around with getting Kim with getting Chad Marshall. And now we can debate whether or not that was a good thing or not, but they've able to do that because, and on with Ladera as well, because they got Will Bruin. There are several other examples. Montreal's going to pr- probably be a less good example of this right now. Let's not but use Montreal it, as an example for anything. <laughs> but until I, next I, season. I, They're on probation until next season. But I, it doesn't... It, the fact that they have invested poorly and they've done so um, it, it passed really when the season started, which is frustrating, it has set them back. But investing in... You know, young DP Vargas having Piotti out wide. They're able to do that because they have Anthony Jackson Hamel. Now, obviously, that God knows, I don't think that that was on purpose. Um, but <laughs> I, I really well, don't. I think that's more accidental, and they yeah, they, they and just I don't think s- that that's there. I mean, yeah. It, it, the- but it that's that's a fact, right? Having Anthony Jackson Hamel up top, um, it, it just allows you to reinvest in your roster at other places. Jordan Hamilton's another example. If Toronto is going to continue going forward down that route with him, I think he could be somebody that here in about a year, you sell on Josie to another team. It's going back to Seattle again, unfortunately. Uh, It's a reason why if you're that front office and you think, you know, we can make Jordan Morris this guy instead of having to buy, spend another DP slot on like an Obafemi Martins. Like you could see that there's some attractiveness to that particular strategy. Now, obviously, especially that, when the league is giving you their money to spend on Jordan Morris. Yeah. Now, like obviously, that hasn't gone swimmingly for Seattle thus far. Um, but but there's a, there's a there's a case to be made for that. And you know, when I brought up the soccer fans saying, "Why is it my guy scoring 20 goals a year?" I was obviously being sarcastic. Uh, the other reason is obviously because Sporting Kansas City can lose Gutierrez and not really miss a beat. I don't think Atlanta has that same luxury if Joseph Martinez goes down. I don't know. They've done a really good job with Romario Williams, and yeah, I, I'm, I'm I'm interested. Back to last year, where there were there were definitely, if you looked at Atlanta's more fallow periods during the season, they coincided with with Martinez. Yeah, but absence. Hector Viaba was there. Look, they I have a lot too. Look, uh, look, Atlanta they're probably, is they're, they've got they're a lot probably, of good players. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably not a really great point. Well, uh, Montreal, I think, is probably a good point. Will Bruin, Will Bruin, you know, we talked about this, you know, going back and forth DMs like for an entire day and a half, yeah. uh, yelling at each other. Um, you know, look, you, you have to have some depth. And if you don't have depth, uh, you know, that's going to hurt you in the end. Gutierrez is a prime example of having that depth and having someone step in that's maybe not uh, like for like, but the drop off in talent is uh, very small. And I think that's funny because probably two months ago, Johan Croize, they they were they're ready to just absolutely run him out of town. I think a lot of MLS analysts uh, really took a lot of cheap shots at him. Matt Doyle, I'm he talking was, about you. I'm subtweeting was, you right now. He was being pilloried in the press. Pilloried. But, but I mean, he made some. I mean, he made some obvious obvious gaffes, and he did not look settled. But uh, I, you can't you, really taking one taking even the first four games of the season are really hard to um, take that and say, this is what your end season or end result is going to be. It's, it's really difficult. Um, that's why it's, it's good to either fail fast or just 
commit to it. You, you have to do one or the <laughs> right. other. And I, I'm a firm believer in that. So if we take a look at um... – I'm trying to give a good example now, but NYCFC finally this year realized that maybe David Villa wasn't going to be around, so they go out and they get guys like Shadri, um, Bergay, who's another player that has been maligned, but I think is actually probably doing a lot yeah, of good work in there. I didn't know that. I didn't know he would. I didn't know. I, I, I've got to tweet well, about him more. He hasn't scored yet, I don't think. And I think if you're a striker and you haven't scored, you know, that's a tough one. And that's what followed Kyrie Shelton around for a while, too. And I get that. I get that. I understand that if you're watching and you got your goal score there, your, your nominal Berge's number very nine. much a, uh, a Marco Urena type player. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but Urena has been nothing but praised for it. So go figure. Well, yeah. Okay. Well. <laughs> I mean, Bob Bradley. Very, oh, okay. Yeah, Patrick Vieira. Okay. Well, yeah. Now we see what's happening. Uh, <laughs> all right. I, that, that didn't make sense at all. Yeah. D- disregard. Uh, but you know, like there's like this idea that that you know you can have your one goal score. That's certainly an option. I mean, look at what LA pinned a lot of their hopes on uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and that's gone. Eh. Uh, they've also got Will Kamara there. Like, I am so I'm so not ready to abandon ship on LA Galaxy. Really? Yeah. Like well, I, I think they need the a thing. new coach. I, I won't I won't lie. I think they need a new coach. But and, and honestly, I would I'm ready for the Robbie Kira, uh, Keen era to begin uh, down there. But here's the thing: their defense might be bad, but their expected goals for like they. It just need they just need to be like this is who we are we're going to just shoot right. your face in, and I really I would I would love that I would absolutely love if mm. just I mean mm. they have the perfect villain for it do mm. it mm. that's whatever their their defense is terrible and Perry Kitchen is going to have at least two league suspension on yellow card accumulations a season so but aside from that. Well, they could always bring Joao Pedro back up. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't think. I mean, I, I, I Portugal, I, I, Portugal. Uh, you know, he. Uh, you're, you're kind of in a situation there where, um, if the goals aren't flowing, like that is not going to work for you. And uh, you know, the reason I really have so much trouble with with uh, the Los Angeles Galaxy is just because they're so bad at home, and you just can't be that bad at home and be successful in this league. Really, really. <laughs> I mock you, sir. Okay. I, I disagree. I don't, I don't think that... All right, so <laughs> MLS, yeah, you can... It's intrinsically, there's a home field advantage. Yeah. Um, there is. However, it's been shown you can succeed on the road. There are teams that are good at playing on the road. In fact, I think LAFC this year has actually been better on the road than they've been on their own own facility so far um well that's a that's a a factor of scheduling as well uh portland in portland uh the year that they won mls cup i think that they um i don't think they had they drew a whole bunch of games at home in fact i don't want to even say for the last two or three months they even took three points at home um i can go back there and research it but uh, the point is is that uh, there are teams that are successful away from home um, yes, I don't but, think intrinsically that's how you want to set up, but uh, yeah, just saying okay, they're bad at home doesn't necessarily. Home. I'm just saying that it's it's harder to get points on the road. It's easier to get points at home. If you're not getting your easy points, it's going to affect your ability to get points. But if you're not going to play defense at home, 
I mean, it, you're not going to play defense on the road, so go for it. Just, Just go for it, Harrison says. That's what I mean. At this point, at this stage, Siggy has nothing else to lose. Like, I don't understand why why Siggy looks like he's constantly about to have a heart attack right now. And I feel bad for him. I'm not mocking him in the slightest. He just looks stressed. And I don't know why. Like, this should be like, look, you know what? A bunch of the front office moves didn't pan out. We're just going to – we're going to give it to the – basically are four really good attackers and we're going to see what happens and you know what some days we're going to is that not kind of what they're doing just they're just not doing it well i i think that they're not doing it well i think they're still trying to i siggy schmidt's teams play defense you know yeah. this yeah sure, i sure. mean sure he's but... he's I, that's why i think that they need to change coaches i think you know um i can't remember who san jose had last year but that's who i would love to see just turn it up to 11 <laughs> you're trailing <laughs> by trailing by two san goals old coach? well they've already got kinnear there no, no, not not Kinnear. Uh, who's the Who's the oh. guy that was in the front office that was just like Chris I'm gonna, somebody? Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, I'm just gonna coach. And you know what? If we're down by two goals, it's not like we need to play defense right now. That's what, what I want. That's so what, what I want. It sounds like what you're saying is that you want the Los Angeles Galaxy. I want Showtime, baby. That's what I want. I want, want the L- I want LA Lakers Showtime. I want just to be glamorous. But that I want This doesn't work. It's not gonna work. Sure, it will. <laughs> We're right. so far off off SKC we went right off now. SKC I am sorry. And into the LA Galaxy. We're just talking about West Coast teams again. Um, anyway, I think that there's a huge difference between what what you see in in LA and SKC. And, I, and if I am a soccer fan, you know, I, I can understand. It's not exciting to have to build a foundation on on competent defense and and, and a well run midfield, but. Uh, you know, from from a, from a analyst perspective, if I can even call myself that, uh, I, I appreciate that philosophy a lot more than I do the um, overload the attack and, and and try to just out outscore the other team. I I think that, that that doesn't work unless you've got a very very specific and extremely talented group of players. Um, yeah, so. but uh, the other side of that is it, Kansas City isn't necessarily the defensive juggernaut that they were last they're year. Pretty good. <laughs> they're, they're extremely good. They 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 are One really goal good. Allowed but per game. One point oh five expected goals uh, through the run of play through open play per game, and that's really good. But I mean, both Houston and LAFC are ahead of them. Hmm. So. Maybe SKC is giving up a little more on defense. Um, expected wise, you know, so far they're they're only allowing a goal a game on average, which is which is very good. Um, maybe that won't continue. Maybe they'll be a little bit leakier going forward, uh, and maybe that changes when Felipe Gutierrez comes back. But they are showing a lot more in a, or you know, they're showing more in attack. And I think on the overall, it's kind of affecting and, and, and it's giving them like a positive net gain overall. No, I agree. Yeah. Um. You know, what are we going to do about uh, the LA Galaxy? Maybe they need to get Peter Vermees. Or Robbie Keane. Or Robbie. Why do you want Robbie Keane? I don't know. It's just infatuation. Ever since ever since they like mentioned that he was like the heir apparent to Bruce Arena. Who said And then that? he left and went and played in India and is now the coach slash player in India. In India. Uh, like, that's... 
I want to see Robbie Keane. Like I want to go. I want Zlatan to do a to score a goal, and then Robbie Keane run down from the coach's box, do his roll and his somersault, and do his gun gun fingers while wearing a suit. Like that's that's kind of what I want. That would make me a happy person. This is as good of a time as any to announce the new section of our site, which is Harrison's MLS fan fiction. <laughs> You can read stuff like that or, or ignore it. <laughs> I recommend the latter. <laughs> All right. I think that we've, I think that's, we should have ended before that note, but we're going to end on that note. Uh, <laughs> Probably a good thing. With the MLS fan fiction. Uh, next week, maybe we'll get more into that home and away thing. I want to discuss that some more. I want to, I want to, I want to get, dig into those numbers. You think we can, we can find some, uh, some good stats on that? Yeah, let's focus on the Eastern Conference uh, for a change. Yes, yes, we'll talk about the Eastern uh, I Conference. Think, I, I say we that talk just about be- the Eastern Conference. Oh, we do, we do, we do, we do. But uh, DC United has not really played a home game this year, and I think that that would be uh, something to kind of watch and look at so far, and as well as even, um, last uh, year. Yeah, in uh, 2016 and 17, a little bit. I mean, Toronto had weird kind yeah. of scheduling mm-hmm. too. No, that's that's kind of where I was going as well. Yeah, and. Ends of the different ends of the spectrum, success-wise, there obviously. So, something to uh, look into. Okay, we're done. Thank you, as always, to Harrison Crow. He can be found on Twitter at Harrison underscore Crow. Uh, and he was the one criticizing Jeff Lorenowitz, not me. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at a handle for Ian. Uh, or if you want to see gifts and commentary uh, on match days, you can find me doing that at Total MLS. Um, please uh, follow American Soccer Analysis on Twitter at Analysis Evolved and visit our website www.americansocceranalysis.com uh, got great articles going up there a lot a lot of content this these last few weeks really really seeing uh, some, some, some good stuff going out there Joseph Lowry wrote a cool thing um, on Houston and how they're accomplishing uh, so much with so little uh, we've got Harrison's very own lowered expectations. We've got Eric Walcott setting the table every week. I do an expected narratives piece. Uh, that's all there for free for zero dollars and zero cents. You can uh, read more about what me and Harrison and our friends think about soccer if that appeals to you. Um, thank you very much again for listening. Uh, we will see you next week. And until then, enjoy the soccer.
Thank you.